0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. Welcome as well to Carnage Street, which I'm known as on Spotify. Thank you guys for being here. Let me just ask that if you enjoy the video, learn something from it, do me a favor, smash the like button. It's a free way you can help. And if you want to support the channel, please consider a membership, a Patreon, and you can even have a membership on Buzzsprout and that would be for anyone who listens to me on Spotify under Carnage Street. To the person who did that for me today, a big thank you. See you, I feel your support, and I'm grateful. Now let's dig in. The police sketches of the Route 29 stalker, a perpetrator who flashed his vehicle's lights or blasted his horn at 23 female drivers along Virginia's U.S. Route 29 between February and March of 1996 in an attempt to get them to pull over and then attack them. Looks an awful lot like alleged serialist Rex Huerman. Huerman, in case you don't know, stands accused of doing in three young women and then dumping their bodies along Gilgo Beach in Long Island. In one of the two sketches from the Route 29 Stalker, the nose, mouth, eyes, and cheeks definitely bear a resemblance to Rex Huerman's beefy and rutted visage. The second composite drawing of the Route 29 Stalker is in color, and the key features that appear to mirror Rex Huerman are the reddish-brown hair, with somewhat wispy bangs sweeping to the right, and again the ruts in his cheeks, the dent below the nose, the chin as well, and its etches, lines, and shadows are spot-on. So similar are the drawings to Huerman that the family of one of the Route 29 stalker's victims has come forward to ask the authorities to explore a possible connection to their loved one's murder. Alicia Showalter Reynolds was just 25 years old when she was done in by the as-yet-unidentified Route 29 stalker while driving solo from Baltimore to Charlottesville. At the time, Alicia was a graduate student at Johns Hopkins University, and working on a vaccine for a parasitic infection. Now this occurred in March of 1996. This was a very bright and lovely young woman who had so much to offer the world. Alicia was on a 150 mile journey to go shopping with her mother, Sadie Showalter. Mother and daughter had plans to meet at around 10.30 a.m. at the mall. When Alicia ran late, Sadie waited at the mall. She thought that perhaps Alicia had run into bad weather and was simply delayed. But later that day, at 6 p.m., Alicia's car was found abandoned along the shoulder of Route 29 near Culpeper, Virginia. A white paper napkin was under the windshield wiper, a symbol used to indicate car trouble. Investigators later discovered Nothing was wrong with Alicia's car. Then witnesses came forward to say they saw Alicia with a clean cut white male who owned a dark colored pickup truck. Could Rex Heuerman's dark green Chevy Avalanche be viewed as a pickup truck? I wonder. Two agonizing months went by, and Alicia's body was found dumped in woods 15 miles east of Culpeper. It was Alicia's younger sister, Barbara Josenhans, who noticed the resemblance between Hewerman and the Route 29 stalker police sketch. Barbara pointed out that Hewerman would have been either 32 or 33 years old at the time of Alicia's death, and Barbara feels Hewerman's cheeks are a spot-on match with those in the police sketch and I agree with her. What do you guys think? But it's not just this facial resemblance that got Barbara thinking Rex could be the perpetrator. Hewerman's mother has lived in Palmyra, Virginia since 1994. That's about 50 miles from where Alicia was last seen. And Rex Hewerman admitted in a deposition for an unrelated lawsuit that he traveled to Virginia multiple times throughout 2018. Does this mean he would have traveled to see his mother multiple times in 1994, 95, and 96? Maybe. Barbara said it would have been easier for her to process her sister dying in a car accident than dying at the hands of another person. Back to the Route 29 stalker. So sometimes this guy would flash his lights blast his horn, and sometimes shout at female drivers to make them think something was wrong with their cars. Of the 23 women this happened to between February and March of 1996, three who stopped to talk with this guy were taken to a payphone without incident. But one week before Alicia's disappearance, another woman was stopped on the highway by a guy who used the same trick that something was wrong with her car. He managed to get her inside his pickup truck after offering her a ride before he attacked her with a screwdriver. Thankfully, she escaped by jumping out of the passenger door. The cops think that the man is the same one who was spotted talking to Alicia on the day she vanished. The police think he may have been conducting test runs before summoning up the courage to take a life. Over the course of more than two decades, the chasing of more than 10,000 leads, Virginia State Police continue to work the case. Like the families of most victims, Alicia's family hopes for some type of closure. For Alicia's sister, she almost hopes the perpetrator is deceased because she feels it would make everything easier. She said watching her parents deal with their grief has been one of the hardest parts of her sister's death. We know that whoever did in the Gilgo Beach four victims lured each one to his habitat and his familiar stomping grounds in Long Island. Part of his modus operandi was to commit the crimes in an area that he was very familiar with. I think this Route 29 stalker was likely doing the same thing. By trying to scare them into believing something was wrong with their vehicles, he was luring them to where he was stopped along the highway. Alicia was also on a rural section of the highway when she was seen talking to this man. The person who dumped the four female bodies in the thick, tangled brush along Gilgo Beach knew it was an area where at night very few, if any, vehicles traveled, and if a car or truck came along, its presence would be announced in advance by its approaching headlights. This meant he could conceal himself and the bodies in advance so as not to get caught in the act. It terrifies me to think of anyone sneaking out to that remote and lonely marsh along Ocean Parkway at night, with bodies to dump and conceal. Such places at night would send shivers down most people's spines, but for the perpetrator, this dumping ground was his little combination playground and graveyard. Imagine him out there alone, dragging bodies wrapped in burlap. Is he breathing heavily in the night air due to the labor of dragging a body? Is he maybe talking to his deceased victims, telling them why they, in his twisted mind, deserve to die? Or was he too busy trying not to leave any trace evidence that he was instead silent and focused? he must have been pretty confident that no one else with murderous intentions would turn up out there in the dark. I mean, even the serialist can fall victim to another serialist, right? Rare, but it has happened. A serialist named Pedro Rodriguez Filho, Pedrinko Matador, as he was known, did in essayers, other serialists, and people who were into little kids. He was sentenced for 71 crimes, meaning lives that he took, but claimed it was more like a hundred and beyond. He died in 2023 at age 68. Thank goodness. But I digress. I know Rex is suddenly finding himself being looked at for what seems like every unsolved case where a young woman either disappeared or her body ended up in a remote location in states where he traveled. While it feels like everyone wants to blame all these cases on him because he's the serialist du jour, let's not forget about guys like Ted Bundy and Samuel Little, who traveled cross-country Leaving bodies in their wake. Little, who led a nomadic lifestyle, has been linked to 60 deaths that occurred between 1970 and 2005 in 14 states. When the Gilgo Beach victims were found along with other bodies along Ocean Parkway in 2010, that dumping ground was suddenly under scrutiny. If Rex was using that area, he likely stopped to avoid getting caught. In the three crimes he's currently charged with, Rex, if he is guilty, committed the acts supposedly when his wife was away from home. He made use of these moments without the wife and kiddos to allegedly indulge in his sick fantasies. So I'm sure that whenever he had the opportunity to travel solo to Las Vegas, where he owns a timeshare, South Carolina, where he owns land and has a brother, and Virginia, where his mom lives, he would have been tempted to prey on young women he encountered. So yes, it's possible that poor Alicia Reynolds may have fallen into a trap that Rex Heuerman set. If someone flashes you, honks, or motions you that something's wrong with your vehicle— It's easy to worry that something really is wrong and to believe a stranger. This has happened to me before in moving traffic when another car maybe rolls down the window and says, hey, something's wrong, but not out on a lonely stretch of highway. One positive thing that comes out of these discussions is that we learn what not to do. Don't pull over in a remote place if you aren't experiencing actual car troubles, just because a stranger beckons. Having our spidey skills is a good thing, and we can pass these lessons on to our own kids and our loved ones. That's a win-win. Something positive in the world of true crime, which is often so dark. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.